0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins, and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. With your permission, Lord Jesus Christ, truly present with us in the Blessed Sacrament, as we come to adore our Lord, we've been doing that throughout the evening, we ask you, Jesus, to help us penetrate the designated topic called The Conversion of the Children of God. And as we try to get into the heart of the topic, we reflect on Jesus' rich imagery that describes the mystery of how the life of Christ grows in an individual. In fact, the phrase kingdom of God signifies that life of christ and the growth of the kingdom which is not of this world signifies generating new life in christ and why does he use the analogy of the seed because the seed grows through conversion it undergoes a string of transformations You cannot conclude the configuration, the size, the color, the flowering, the actual fruit of a tomato seed by just looking at the seed. Without knowing the end result, there's no way we can conclude a tomato plant. Just like looking at an acorn, which reflects divine sense of humor, Little cap, uh, you'd think it would be ready to smile at you if you look at it enough. Acorn. You could never deduce that it's going to be an, an oak tree. And our Lord uses those images to teach us how to be completely immersed in Christ. What's the goal? The goal is to be able to repeat With St. Paul, it is no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. We notice that his first words, virtual first words, in the Gospel of St. Mark, right after he officially goes public, he gets baptized, and then he goes on a 40-day retreat. It's even longer than an Ignatian retreat. Ignatian retreat is 30 days, this was 40 days. But at the same time, this is using medieval hyperbole, so I don't think it has to be taken literally. But he sojourned for 40 days and 40 nights. And that sojourn was marked by deep prayer and a penitential life, living in the harsh climate of a desert and, and fasting. And his first public words, at least in St. Mark, is repent and believe in the gospel. The Greek word for repent is metanoia. And the Greek experts say that metanoia is a lot more than disfavor or sorrow over factual wrongdoing or a deed that was ethically wrong, as much as it's an overhaul, it's a deep repentance with the idea of undergoing a profound change. So it's kind of hard to accurately translate the original word, which is metanoia. It's that overhaul, that complete change of heart. And it's not a question of brute effort because we may not be up for brute effort. And we could put forth brute effort, doesn't work. Or we may not be up for too much effort. We've been at this before. And step number one is to tell the Lord, Lord, give me that grace of repentance. Help me repent. Help me allow you to put my heart through an overhaul repent and believe in the gospel now these two words the metanoia uh, i don't know what the greek word for belief means but i think you would all agree that ultimately when jesus uses the word belief or faith that we must have faith we must believe those are meanings I'm taking from the last three popes, John Paul and Benedict and Francis as well, that belief ultimately means trying to become a saint. Now, Why do I, why do I say that? Because the ultimate belief is to take to heart every word Jesus enunciated. His example, his witness, his sentiments, his teachings. That Is ultimately what belief means my faith is not where it should be until I embrace everything the Lord says but there are there's a nuance of difference the metanoia involves examination of conscience it involves not factual knowledge but it in the Gospels in the four Gospels Conversion always begins with a conversation with our Lord. And they experience the love Jesus has for them. And then they examine themselves upon seeing our Lord, Then they reflect on their own life, not as a way of becoming discouraged or down or pessimistic, because, you know, he's so high up in goodness and I'm so far below what goodness should be, it's okay, I, I look at him, I see his love, and I want to remove those barriers between myself and him. So there's no, every conversion in the public life of Jesus always begins with an encounter, with a friendship. So my step number one is to speak with him and to ask the light of the world to enlighten me so that I see myself with the idea of changing and becoming more like him. That's the repentant part. That is why David, in Psalm 51, inspired heavily by the Holy Spirit, reveals the Lord's favored penance, a humble and contrite heart. Because a humble and contrite heart allows for conversion. That's a conversion always begins with that humble and contrite heart, and it is a grace. We could reflect on Saint Augustine's life, uh, kind of a template, a standard. His Confessions, very avant-garde in the fourth century. Even today, it would be avant-garde. We're an actual bishop of a diocese. Publishes a Pulitzer Prize book that includes all his wrongdoing and his sin in his past life, etc. And Augustine narrates in his confessions that he converted at a certain point in time, that he was already in contact with a future saint, St. Ambrose and also also his mother, St. Monica. And he, he couldn't overhaul his past life yet. The engine started to move, the converting engine, and he started to pray for purity. It wasn't, you know, ever since he was a young teenager, that was not one of his chief virtues. He was cohabitating as a teenager. Had a child out of wedlock. and He had some good intentions and gave up his mistress of almost 20 years, only to acquire a new one. And he asked the Lord in his prayer, Lord, grant me chastity. But then he had a little proviso attached to that prayer of petition, but not yet. But only when he heard a little boy singing, he was like many an academic, he was probably sitting on a chaise lounge in the backyard and on a sunny day in northern Italy and, uh, he heard Toli et Legere in Latin, take and read. And so he had a scroll and he just randomly opened it up and hit chapter 13 of St. Paul's letter to the Romans, which I'll paraphrase to give up, give up your, light, your, your life of drunkenness and debauchery and embrace. The light of Christ. Today is your day of salvation. And that's when he finally agreed to convert. That was his overhaul. But what is implied is that conversion, as Saint Jose Maria says in the way, that's the work of a moment. But holiness is the work of a lifetime. What is holiness but it's it's being that seed. How does the seed grow? It grows by converting. We want to be in a constant state of converting. Lord, give me the grace of of vigilance, a serene vigilance, even a serene tension, always looking at Christ, looking at me, Trying to discover tiny ways. That's why the Lord uses the, the, the mustard seed and, or the grain of weed. Because he, it's our Lord, he says it. Take baby steps. I mean, I'm filling in the blacks. But take little tiny steps, but keep taking them. And not steps of performance. The prelate of Opus Day says, avoid voluntarism. Don't, it's not about brute effort it's about little tiny deeds of love. And love generates more love. And Jesus says, if you are faithful in little, you're faithful in much. Perhaps state of conversion is, I don't know if any of you gentlemen have been in the section of Shelbourne Retreat Center or Conference Center. There's all sorts of little areas. One is the lodge. That's more for young people. Then you have the pavilion. you got atrium, dorm, etc. And then usually where the priests stay, it's called the study. And once upon a time, the study was called the bunker for a number of reasons. Um, unless you had a great immune system, somehow you would you'd give a retreat and, and you would leave sick. You know, nothing serious, you know, probably a stomach ailment, a flu, a cold, you know, some, because there's not that much ventilation. I'm not going to go into too much detail, but so, you, so Father Bob, you're going to be in the bunker for a week, or, you know, especially if it's women's activities, there's, there's a separation there, so we're confined to the bunker, and so it's sort of like being in a space capsule. And uh, the furniture was pretty rudimentary. You know, sometimes you'd have three priests there. There'd be one bathroom. Uh, If you're over 50, that becomes a little challenging, etc. And that's what conversion is like. This extension was made. You go in there, there's a a new carpet. Uh, There's a stylized wall with a rocky motif uh there's well-placed paintings and then you see you come back again and there's a display case of knickknacks uh just to keep us a little bit more human there's a a statue of a chinese woman dressed in chinese garb Um, i asked well why is that there Uh, just to get to soften you guys up a little bit, you know and there's, you know, di- different things. Um, there's a... And you keep going, and there's always a little something else. In Christmas, there's well-placed decorations. And now the younger priests don't know what we're talking about when we say the former bunker, you know, because the place has changed so much. But It's the same location. It's the same space. But it was in a state of conversion. Another bathroom, another room was added. There's a you know, little visitor's room. So on and on and on and on. And it's now from being the bunker, it's the nicest place in Shelbourne. And people walk in there, boy, you priests are pretty spoiled, you know? You know, I thought you priests in Opus Dei live like everybody else, not when you're at Shelbourne, etc. So that's what conversion is. These little acts of improvement. And what is the finished product? Well, our Lord is a little bit no-nonsense in his Sermon on the Mount, and he says, and it must have made a big impression when he first revealed these sentiments of his, and he wanted a holiness, a level of goodness, higher than that of the Pharisee. And you may say, and I may say, as an immediate reaction, what's so what? That's, I mean, that that that's no big surprise. You know, the Pharisees got balled out, they were accused of hypocrisy and all that. But we got to immerse ourselves in the culture of the times. In the eyes of the Jewish people, these were the upper echelon. They lived the moral law, they were into a lot of minutiae. That's why the Lord would growl at them. They gave alms. They were generous with their possessions, with their money. They fasted frequently, more than anybody else probably. They prayed a number of times a day. So they, in terms of practice of the Jewish religion, at least externally, they were top shelf. And so then Jesus reveals to his crowd of people, average people, for I tell you, unless your righteousness, holiness, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You can't live the life of Christ. And your holiness has to exceed that of the Pharisees and lord you're telling me that as well and what does what does he mean well maybe for our purposes right now it means that all my devotions and my relationships need to be marked by deep love i got to be at least being on that wavelength it can't be, and we all of us could do that. Especially we pragmatic Americans. It should never be a checklist, and in our relationships, it shouldn't be a checklist. I'm not a married man, but I get a little bit of pushback from my my friends, and maybe even some of the people I give a little bit of coaching to. And I'm very careful if I'm giving spiritual direction to husband and wife. I Definitely never use the information to direct the other. But in the experience with husband and wife to provide a little bit of coaching, I feel that I've virtually been married about 2,000 times. And, um, and so I standard meat and potatoes advice, you know, give your spouse affection. And sometimes you get pushback. I mean, listen, I think I'm doing okay. I mean, with all due respect... I am home every, I'm home when I can, you know. Unless I'm traveling, I'm home. I pay the bills. I support my wife. I'm faithful. I go on errands if that's needed. What else am I supposed to do? I said well there's an intangible. You got to show if you got to show kindness and affection and availability and all these things that mark the heart of our Lord and it's not easy I don't know that at least my experience sometimes that's not easy to understand listen I'm doing all these things right you know what else is there to do or on the other side they got they have their issues too you know a lot of times hubby never does it right so he's always he always feels like a naughty boy and I get pushed back there too oh you all your so well, what, do, what do you want me to do I said well you know build them up a little bit all, all your men are the same. <laughs> so, anyway, it's hard to win here. Um, but what what is this exceeding the righteousness of the Pharisee? And the consoling fact is, you know, the number of people who've come to this recollection, more than one on Tuesday. Some of them are not here, and. What's encouraging, very encouraging, is the kind of little, little prophecy of our Lord when he issued his new commandment that they'll know you by the love you have for one another. I can honestly say I probably, and without exaggerating, probably a hundred times, you know, both men and women who lived a very holy life and were in a state of conversion, perhaps they didn't realize it, they were in a state of conversion, and family. And friends would identify them as someone who lived a lot of charity. They gave such good example of love to their family. A number were not practicing their faith, but they recognized that they would have an experience of the joy and the heart of our Lord. So the system does work. And we're all a work in progress. St. Jose Maria says here in Christ is passing by, he says here, we cannot stay still. We must keep going ahead toward the goal St. Paul marks out. It is not I who live, it is Christ that lives in me. St. Jose Maria continues this is a high and very noble ambition this identification with christ this holiness but there's no other way if we ought to be consistent with the divine life god has sown in our souls in baptism to advance we must progress in holiness shying away from holiness implies refusing our christian life its natural growth the fire of god's love needs to be fed it must grow each day gathering strength in our soul, and a fire is maintained by burning more things. If we don't feed it, it may die. Remember what St. Augustine said, if you say enough, you are lost. Go further, keep going, don't stay in the same place, don't go back, don't go off the road. Well, we, we close our prayer. Mary will never turn a deaf ear on our plea for conversion. With that holy vested interest, or ulterior motive, I want to be a light of Christ. I don't make myself a light of Christ. The Holy Spirit does through conversion, but I cooperate with my struggle. Help me come up with deeds of love, Mary. Help me see where you want me to conform my life more to your sons. And I expect, I say this humbly, confidently, that you hear our prayer and help us make effective resolutions. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you've communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help in putting them into effect. My Immaculate Mother Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel and deceitful.